Hey, good morning. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, occasionally they let me out to uh, to share a little bit. And I'm going to go with, like, that was everybody saying, yeah. Um, this morning, we're continuing our series in the 52 series, and I'm going to tackle a, a verse that really is, resonates deep within, you know, who we are as a church. Uh, it's taken from, from Matthew uh, it's 28. So open your Bibles to Matthew 28. It's the last a few verses of his of his gospel, and we're going to look at verses um, 18, 19, and 20, but our memory verse, because we were talking about this year of, of 52 essential scriptures, that sounds really loud. You can bring me down a little bit. They want to hear me, but not that much. Um, and we're going to focus on verse 19, which is really kind of the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard of that, right? The Great Commission, go therefore in, in all... Uh, in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of what most churches kind of resonate. They say, this is how we exist. This is who we are. Um, and before we jump into that, so be looking for that. This is, this is a great verse, and Matthew says some great things right here. Actually, Jesus is saying some very profound things for us individually, but also as, uh, as a church. And I'm going to talk about that, some of the things that resonate in it as SFC, our identity and who we are. Um, but, but before we get into that, I want to talk about, a, uh, really I want to pose a question to you. Um, you know, who has a right in your life? Who has the authority to speak into your life? Do you have someone in your life who can just tell you like it is? And there's no one nodding. Okay. You guys need to find some of those people, right? We all have cheerleaders, right? Where the whole, like your, your, uh, the, the building could be burning down. They're just like, good job, man. It's great. Right. Everything could be crashing. You have those people in your life? Nobody has those people either. Okay, so this is how it works when you find some of those people. They're the type of people that no matter what you go through, right, no matter what you're experiencing, whether it's work or family or life, they're the ones that are going, just keep going, you're doing a great job, right? If you seen, you understand what I'm talking about now, those, those we call them cheerleaders, they just cheer you on. You could have did the worst job you ever did in your life, and they're just like, it was awesome, way to go. And you need those people, right? They're the reason you get up on Monday morning. These people are like, come on, it's called accountability. Yeah, you can do it. Keep going. Everything's crashing down. They're like, keep going. Then there's those others. The other extreme of that is the other people who are like the ones who tell you like it is, right? Every, you think everything's going great. And they're like, man, you so messed up. You're still out of line right here. Does anyone have those people? All right. There's three of us. That's good, right? I'm going to be that person this morning. No, right? We need those people who tell like it is because the Bible talks about, right? That are the rebuke of a friend and kisses of your enemies. You have to have that person in your life who has the right, right? It doesn't mean you have to agree or take what they say. They, they do have a right. You will listen to them and they can say, you know what? Hey, I love you. I love you like a, a sister. I love you like a brother. Hey, you're, you're wrong here, right? Those are the type of people. So that question is, you know, hopefully you can find someone to think of those people because we need them. Sometimes we just get out of line, right? We need someone. I had a, a pastor friend in Oklahoma who always said, we well, line you out, right? That was, I don't know what that meant, but I think that's what he means, right? Someone to come in and just line you out. And puts you in perspective and have you kind of resonate and go, oh, yeah, you know, I was, thank you. Uh, like my, for, for me, I have my brothers. Well, I have two older brothers, and, and I've given them the right. They can speak to me, and I'm like, all right, yes, I will hear that. You know, Pastor Jimmy's another one. Pastor Jim, when he was on staff here, they had the right. I gave him permission, man. If you see me out of line, and I, I know me and Jimmy have this relationship as pastors here, that you can stay, speak to me, all right? Give me that accountability. If you're out of line, man, if I'm out of line, you call me on it. And we have that, we have that, that accountability, right? That person who can come and say the hard thing. We don't want to hear it, right? I'm not saying this is good stuff, right? You're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to make any changes. I want to just keep going and do what I'm doing, but we need those people in our lives. And what I'm getting to in this passage, I know this will, this will come about, this will make sense at some point, uh, is that in this passage we're going to look at is Jesus talks about his authority, right? His authority. 
He's going to come and he's telling his disciples, he's telling us followers of Jesus Christ that he has all authority. So as I was thinking about this and kind of prefacing, I want to set this passage up because really, if we don't yield, if we don't allow Jesus and his word to have authority in us, right, to speak to us, um, man, I don't know what else there is to help us, right? There has to be a moment where you read the Bible and we just, I don't like you, this is just me, I read the Bible, get convicted, Right? And so I want to share, you know, we talk as a church, I mentioned earlier, we're on a journey. Everyone's on a spiritual journey. And part of, of this journey is, is reading the Bible and hearing it and, and studying it and applying it to our lives, even the hard things. All right? Some of the easy things are easy and the hard things are hard. That's why we call them hard. But they're good for us. And I always talk about, I love the picture that, that Jesus gives us in the Bible. Um, and even Jeremiah Spence is, is God, is, he's the potter, right? And he's shaping you. And some of the hard things is when he's just working some things out of your life and he's just shaping you to make you usable. Um, but so as a church, we talk about everyone is on this journey. You and I, as followers of Christ, we're on a spiritual journey. We talk often as well that you're not meant to walk alone, right? We talk about journeying together, right? It's easy to kind of go out there and, and, and separate and isolate yourself and you think you're good, but really you're, you're, you're out of line or you need to be lined out, I guess, right? We could say that. And it's good to have fellowship because there's times when your faith is strong and there's those around you who are hurting, right? And you need to hold them up. And there's times when your faith is, is, is weak and you're hurting and you need others to lift you up. So if you've gone to any of our outreach things, you see the, the, the brown t-shirt, SFC, you'll see our logo on the front and the back. It says Journey Together. That's what we're talking about, that in this life, we're in this together. And this great commission that Jesus is not only saying to his disciples, he's saying to us, to every follower, is, is that we're in this together. This is something he wants us to do individually, what it looks in our lives, what it, how it works itself out, but also collectively as a church. We are in this together. So coming to this idea of, of the great commission and God's authority, I want to share part of my journey. Um, and this is a story that, that I'm not happy about, right? At the time, it was like, you'll find it's kind of, maybe you'll find it funny. I don't know. Uh, I find it very funny now, but at the time, it was really a, an eye-opening moment. See, so when I grew up in a, in a Christian family, I have Christian parents and my siblings, and, and just like most families, when, when you get to, when I got to junior high, somewhere, you know, both my parents worked, and Sunday, a day of rest became literally that, right? We rested from church, even. It was so busy. We just stopped going to church, and we didn't get in that routine, or we got out of the routine, rather, and it was just easier to stay home. It was easier for my, my parents just to go, you know, we've got four kids. The youngest one, which was me, is killing us. I'm sure they thought that. He's driving us crazy. That Tyson one, out of that fourth one, you know. So we, my parents were tired. We stopped going to church at, you know, junior high-ish. This is what I remember. Um, so I made it through junior high. I made it through high school by God's grace, and, you know, even though I wasn't worshiping him, he brought me through. There was a lot of crazy stuff we did. And I got to junior college. And something happened in my family along the line where my mom just started going back to church. Maybe she was convicted. She was like, ah, we need to go back to church. So she started going. And my dad, you know, he worked long hours. He was, he was the dad who was up before, you know, we were up and he was, you know, we were in bed before he came home. You know, we grew up with those kind of dads. He was just working, man, providing for his family. Good man. And eventually he kind of finally started finding the time. He's going to get this thing rolling. We got this family clicking. So he started going back to church. I remember my oldest brother has great influence. He has a right to speak into me. He started going back to Bible studies, to going to Bible studies. And one night I was writing a paper for an English class. I was going to junior college. At this point in my life, I was, I was heading to long, this is what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to go to Long Beach University and become a physical therapist. That was, that was on my wall. Here's my mission. This is where I'm going, right? I'm going to, going to junior college, get my A so I can afford school. I'm just what I'm going to do. And I'm writing this paper for an English class, which, is dreary all into itself, right? Unless you love English. 
I'm writing this paper. My brother comes home and he's really excited about his faith and, and you know, who this Jesus is. And I'm thinking, there's nothing that exciting. What is, what is wrong? Life is not that exciting. And you have those little moments where you're like, wow, am I really that depressing? Holy cow, right? So I started to go, maybe there's something in it. Maybe I should check into this. So through a process of time, and I'm kind of just fast-tracking you through this early part, and I started going back to church as a family. I started going back to church, and I, I had some college friends. They were going back to church, and the church I grew up, they had altar calls. And if, if you're not familiar with that, it means when the pastor at the end of his message, he would give a gospel invitation, which means if you want to believe on Jesus as your Savior, right, raise your hand, come forward. He invited you to come forward. It's one of those churches, right? You're just like, what? But you get to that point, and I was in a moment. It was a Sunday night service, back in October of, right, a long time ago. And... He has, this, he has this altar call, and I get to this point where I'm like, that's it. i got to go, man. My heart's beating out of my chest. I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ. I believe when I was eight years old, I had a little Bible. I dedicated my life, and I believe God had, was faithful to that. But that moment, I went forward on that altar call, right? And there's like two things I remember. My dad following me down, walking down. I remember tears on my shoes, man. Everything changed. There's this young college kid. I'm gonna, here's my plans. Here's my goals. Here's my aspirations. That night, at that church, at that altar call, I no longer was going to Long Beach University. And I knew right there, I'm, I'm going to go into ministry. Isn't that crazy? At that moment, he didn't, he didn't it's not like God said, hey, Tyson, here's what I want you to do, go to ministry. He didn't. I just knew. This is what I got to do. So this began this journey, my, my journey, right? Here it is. And so I'm getting hungry for God's word, and I'm reading, I'm opening. I was the college kid who go to junior college. I had a Bible in my bag. I was the kid at lunch, right? right in my Bible. I was just that kid, right? And I was like, okay, it's a little weird. But at the same time, I had really long hair. So he's hippie-ish, right? I know at some point that picture's going to pop up, so I'm trying to get ahead of it. Yes, I had at one point. <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of it. It's going to show up somewhere. I had really long hairs going to Bible college. Um, I, I wasn't enrolled yet, but I was on my way. Okay, so through summer, this is where I'm getting to this little moment where, where God spoke to me. Um, through summer, I was working odds and ends jobs and here and there, and, and I, I was kind of having some you know, difficulty finding some work, so I went through a temporary agency called um, Manpower is what it was called. And they put me in a job at, at a PW pipe plant. And we made PVC pipe. I say we. I never really was employed by them. But anyway, they made PVC pipe, right? All kinds of size. I mean, from, from one inch all the way up to just big stuff. that You could see in con, you know, construction sites and all that. And I had this job, very mundane, but I had to like, get the pipe. It was like two inch on one side. On the other side, we, it was this other machine. We had these like, you know, they're like a foot round pipes would come out. And we had to put these little... Uh, Gaskets in them, put them under pressure, make sure they were, you know, and stamp them and send them out. And that was my job. I went back between these two machines. It was so loud in there. They give you earplugs. You couldn't have a conversation. These machines were just resonating. Right? And it's just one of those jobs where it's like you could be alone in your thoughts, right? You're just like, if you you don't have a lot of them, then you're just kind of bored. But it was one of those jobs where two people could do this very easily. It's one of those where it's like, man, this is cush. This is all right. I can do this. But for one person... Over time, you gradually got behind. Does that make sense? So since I was through Manpower Temporary Agency, the guy who actually worked with me on that line was so kind and considerate to allow me to do all of it, right? <laughs> that was really nice of him, okay? So he was overreading, literally overreading the paper, earplugs, and didn't even care. He had the PW pot. I'm like this young college kid. He's probably thinking, who's this kid? I'll wear him out in two days. And we, we worked this swing shift. I don't know if you've ever done that God bless you people who can do that thing, right? So we went from like early morning to afternoon. The next time it was like four tens. Then the next time it was like afternoon to evening. Last time you came through the night. It just, that's how it did. I'm like, can I just have one? I'll take the midnight one. But it, we always, the shift always changed, which adds to the story. 
Because I finally got to this point where this man had, was allowing me right, to do all the work. Um, and see, up to this point, here I am. I'm just going, I'm going to go to Bible college, and I've been reading God's word, and I've been, I've been praying. God, God, speak to me. God, speak, let your word speak. Help me get in line with your word. It's craving. Let me do this. And I was studying a passage in Colossians. And I was just mulling over it, mulling over it, and you know, reading these things. And I'm just seeing those moments where you're just like, God, oh, just speak. And he's like, he's, you know, he's, of course, he's speaking all the time. But God, give me ears to hear. But I had this moment. So I'm getting in this, this, this situation is rising, sweats from my heart. I'm, I'm getting immensely frustrated. And if you know anything about me, I'm a pretty stoic individual. I'm pretty, I'm an introvert. I'm kind of, kind of calm and cool and collect. I don't say a whole lot. I'm, I'm just that type of person. A lot of people, you know, see me as like always being grumpy. I'm not. I'm just, don't show a lot of emotion. So for that, I'm sorry. If you ever thought I was grumpy, it's possible, but mo- most chances are <laughs> I'm just not showing any emotion. Um, so, but at this moment, I am getting immensely frustrated. And I, I can count on one hand times I mean, through high school I've ever been in fights, but I'm getting to the point where I'm really going to take this guy out. To be honest, I'm not, you know, I look back at the story and go, I've come a long way. But at that moment, I was getting so angry. I mean, just anger was boiling up in me. I'm just like, how can this guy? I couldn't have a conversation. I couldn't go over to the guy and say, hey, man, can you help me out? And there was times I'm like, do you see me doing this? Do you see me wiping the sweat, man? Do you see? And he's over this reading the paper. And I, I you know, I'm kind of one of those passive aggressive, I guess. I, you know, I wasn't dealing with it when I should have. I just got to the boiling point. And I'm literally, I'm thinking, oh, this is it. This job isn't that great. I don't need it, right? That went to my head. I'm going to take this guy out. And I think if the manager comes over, I think I can take him too. I mean, this is where my thought process is going. <laughs> I think I got to jump on that. I can do this, right? I can take this guy, man. And I'm getting to this moment. I'm holding this machine and I'm running these things and I'm going back and forth. And I have this little epiphany where the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And I went, and that moment, it's like those, those commercials where you go from zero to, zero to 60, right? And two, it was like one of those moments from complete rage to complete brokenness. And he just said 11 words to me. He illuminated scripture to my mind, and it changed me. This went, that's right. And that moment of like sweat dripping off, I kept my head down because that moment, I was, in all honesty, I was hiding tears, right? The very thing I've been praying for, and it goes, boom. Speaks, and it's that that going back to this idea of authority. So I didn't go take the guy out, just so you know, right? God spoke, everything changed right there. Went, did my best to finish my job, took my paycheck, went home, right? Worked as honest as I could. It's this idea of authority. See, in this passage this morning, if you have your Bibles open to Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through twenty, this is the New King James Version, which says, it says. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So going to this this idea of of commission, the great commission, and, and you and I, there has to be a moment in your life, in your journey, where you maybe have that, you know, the line in the sand, and, in the sand rather, and you just say, God, you know, you have the authority to speak to me. You have the authority to, to change me, to challenge me, to convict me. doesn't mean, you know, God isn't asking for us to be perfect. doesn't desire that you would be perfect. I'm going to be this perfect person now. No way. Spend 20 seconds with me. You know I'm not perfect. We're on this journey. But God desires to have this great commission carried in you. Right? So it's interesting. So Matthew ends his, ends his gospel with this statement. 
right? He doesn't end with the resurrection of Jesus. It's not like Jesus went to the cross, he died and rose again, and Matthew's like, there it is, he rose. He doesn't, right? The other gospels talk about Jesus and his ascension. And Jesus went on back into heaven, not for Matthew. Matthew, this is his exclamation point to the gospel, right? Jesus comes and he he speaks to them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, right? So the first point out of this is, all right, authority. Jesus has all authority. He has all authority over heaven and earth, right? And there's like really two parts to this authority. <clears throat> the first is the idea of a spiritual authority, right? Over heaven. So this is something where we see in Jesus and his deity that, that he was God, always is God. That, you know, when he walked upon this earth, we see the, complete, the, the deity completely, right? He's 100% God, 100% man. So maybe he's referring to elements that he probably already has, right? The idea of a spiritual. And when, when we think of these words of authority, um, typically in the Bible, we think of spiritual. We hear the, the verses that pop into minds like in Ephesians where it talks about, you know, maybe powers or demonic powers or principalities. We hear these kind of words. And Jesus, in essence, is one saying, I am, I am over all these things. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, which I think might be up on the screen here, says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, right? Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And again in Ephesians, Paul talks about this in, in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he says, which he, which is God, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. So the idea that Jesus is saying is he has all authority spiritually, right, of this, of this world. He's got it. It is not a weak um, authority. It is a superior authority. That is, in essence, his statement. This is what he's telling us. My authority is superior to anything else on this planet. When we put these ideas, these verses, next to, to the, the, what Jesus is saying here. We're saying, man, no matter, there's no demonic forces. There's no evil forces. There's nothing that comes against you, right? The gates of hell shall not prevail. There's nothing greater than he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can start thinking of the verses and start going through your mind and going, that's right. This is the kind of authority he has. This is why when we go forward in this great commission, we can trust that we should not fear Satan or the enemy. Because we go forward in his name, he is saying, hey, guess what? Followers, right? If you have professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your followers. He's saying, when you go, right? Know that I have authority over these issues, these problems, these things that will come against you. I have authority. So one side it is a spiritual authority. But he also mentions heaven and earth, right? So what is he telling us there? Heaven and earth. So the second part is he's announcing his, his authority over his people. That would be you and I. Right? He has authority over us. If, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, if you said, you know what, I am a sinner, I, I trust in Jesus, I want to repent of my sins, I want to make him the Lord of my life, you have become a follower. And if that's you, he has authority over you. That is what he is saying. This is what Jesus is saying. I have authority over you. Now, we know that his authority is good, and he has what is best for us at heart, right? It's not like a, a dictator or a ruler. He desires that he would know us intimately and know us completely. He desires that he would, he would demonstrate his power through you, right? But he, in this commission, he's asking for you and I to go and to trust that he is, he is with us. So if we're, if we're struggling with that, you know, this morning, here's this great statement I'd found from uh, 
James Boyce who said, you know, we talk about this confession. If you and I have confessed that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Boyce says, such a confession is hypocrisy if it does not contain a recognition of his authority over us in every area. I'm going to read that again after I cough. Such a confession, right, meaning I've confessed Jesus as my Savior. Such a confession is hypocrisy if it does not contain a recognition of his authority over us in every area. So guess what? On this journey, part of our spiritual journey is yielding and trusting God's authority over us. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command, right? We carry this out. We demonstrate our love for Jesus by doing what he desires for us to do, right? The works he's called us to, to love our neighbor, to go the extra mile, to turn the all those elements. When we do those things, we are demonstrating love. We are showing that, that God's authority is over us. This declaration of Jesus' authority on earth means that he has authority also over those who are not yet believers. This is important because a lot of times when, you know, this, this passage, he is sending us out, right? He is setting this before us. He is commissioning us into service. And we have, hopefully, if you're normal, I would think, an element of fear in that. Not hopefully, but that, that's something that is just true to life, right? I'm going to go to the unknown, whether it's across the globe or across the street. We have this element where I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't feel I've got all the answers to all the questions I'm going to be posed with. You're right. Welcome to the club, right? We're all in this journey together, right? We, we help one another. We walk with one another. and We support one another. We do all these elements. You're not alone, but he is commissioning you and I. And this is why he can say, I want you in the next part of the next verse to go. Why does he want us to go? It's because my authority is with you. This is how Jesus desires to save people. Think about your own conversion moment. Somebody explained the gospel to you. Somebody explained that Jesus has authority to save you. Jesus has authority to break the bondage that you might be experiencing. Does that make sense? That authority, right, is over those who are not yet believers, and he is going with us. And so as we resonate, we rest in that, this element of Jesus' authority, has a right to speak. And there's also an element on our side where we trust him, trust that he's going to go before me, that he's going to make this path straight. It doesn't make sense to me, right? I'd rather take the easy road. But Jesus is saying, I want you to go this way. And we trust him. And we realize that those who we come across who do not know Jesus yet, right, he, that authority that is with you because he has sent you, is the ability to affect and change them. That's pretty powerful. This authority is saying, I'm with you, because he ends the gospel saying exactly that. I'm with you. I'm going to leave you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. My authority, all this authority has been given to me. Therefore, as my followers, I want you to go. And so the next part here is all nations. <clears throat> so right in nations, this is verse 19. Where he says, go therefore, this is our memory verse, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting in Matthew's gospel, because all the gospels that we have are written to a certain audience. And Matthew is writing to the Jews. And so what is he saying right here to this? This is his exclamation point to his gospel, right? Here it is. Jesus died, he rose again. Here's the great commission. It's like Matthew going, boom, go get him. And he's speaking to an audience of Jews. So he's saying to his Jewish brothers and sisters, Hey, and am I on there? Yeah, that was on me. 
That was my fault. Got a little carried away with the mic. He's saying to his Jewish audience, right? This is not just for Judaism. Think about the Jews and their relationship with everyone outside of Judaism. They didn't like anyone outside of Judaism, right? We're the chosen people. We got, the, we got this thing locked down. We don't want to go to the Gentiles. And Matthew is telling his Jewish brothers and sisters, guess what? This gospel, it's not just for you. So for us, right, as Americans, we could say, hey, for you, us, followers, SFC, this message, this gospel, this, this commission is not just for America. It's not just for Colorado. We start shrinking it down. It's not just for Denver. It's not just for Stapleton. It's global, right? But we have to include in this global idea the local idea. This is where we get that word, and this is going to sound really cool or corny, glocal. You heard that word, glocal? I'm going to explain it, right? It's global and local. Glocal. All right, it sounded corny. Man, notice it sounded really cool. They do use this word. You can Google it. It's out there. It's legitimate. And you make that up, right? Some of you are like, man, you're making that one up. I'm trying to pull us on. It's the global idea, all right? It's not just, so missions just isn't America. It's not just Stapleton. So guess what? On this journey, you and I, what is happening through these verses is that you and I are now on mission. You are now missionaries. And everyone said, oh, wow, okay. We got a lot of work to do. Yes, you and I are on mission. And I get it, right? I'm an introvert person. I'm not some type tape excuse me, type A, it's going to jump out there and do these things. Missions for us can look different. You know, we, we celebrated last, last week, Jimmy spoke, and if you didn't watch his message, please go online and check it out. Um, you know, he talked about living and busting out borders, right, out of bounds and going. The idea of going to Estonia, the idea of going to Guadalajara, those were mission trips. But you and I, when we go out of this parking lot later today or out your front door, you are now on the mission field. God, Jesus is commissioning you to become missionaries. This is what he's saying. Hey, followers of Jesus, I have authority, right? I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Here's what I want you to do. Plug your name in. Tyson, I want you to go. Right? I want you to go and make disciples. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so here we are. All right? We're on the mission field. And again, Matthew is saying, oh, check it out. It's not just for Jews. It's for everyone. So part of missions is local. Part of it is our state. Part of it is America, right? Part of it is your neighbors. Part of it is people in Estonia, Russia, China, all over. This is where he is sending us, right? This is the go side of it. And we have this idea of global, right? Global and local, I know. It sounds better in my head, maybe. You realize whenever this is done, we talk about the both hand, because in this verse, Jesus is talking about both. He's not only saying, here's what I want you to do. Plug your name in. I want you to go. Right? I want you to go and make what? I want you to make disciples. So what does that mean? We want to make converts. We want to proclaim the gospel to, to, to somewhere, right? Proclaim Jesus' authority, that he has the right to save you, that if you believe on him and the work he has done on the cross, you are saved. So we want to go and proclaim that. At that moment, that person who says, I want to believe on Jesus Christ, I want to know him, that person becomes a disciple. Right? We become followers of Jesus. Now I'm a disciple. And, and Jesus is saying, don't leave them there. I want you to bring them to the point where they understand what baptism is. Right here at SFC, every time we talk about baptism, we do this this way. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because Jesus commanded us to do it this way. And that moment where we have baptism, we're celebrating an outward. It's an outward demonstration of what God has done in me. He has changed me. 
Right? So we have this, this part of both and. And anywhere the church has done the both and, it has continued. And any church that, that ceases to do the both and, which is evangelism or missions or going, right, and discipleship and teaching and training, we're not putting those things together, right? If they're together, the church continues. But if one drops, what do you have? You have either a bunch of people who don't know or they're evangelized, but they don't have any depth to them, or you have someone who's desiring to disciple some people and teach them, but there's no one going, right? So if a church ceases to do both of these, typically it struggles. Typically it dies. Why is that? Why is that the case? Because discipleship demands evangelism. We can't have a church if we're not outgoing. Jesus is saying this. Here it is. It's the both and. Here's what I want you guys to do as a church, be in your life. And this looks different for each of us, right? Where you go, where you work. I can't step into that environment and say, hey, come check out Jesus. They'll be like, who's that guy? He looks funny and smells weird, right? Which is not true, right? Some of you are laughing too much at that. But you have influence. And we don't ever want to downplay your influence. Where you go, you take him with you. You don't just take Jesus, you take his authority, and I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I realize that. The situations I would rather be than not doing this, right? There's those moments in life where you're like, man, I'd rather be someplace else. But guess what? He is, the end of this verse, we'll talk about it here in a moment, he's with you. So the both ends, this is part of developing disciples, bringing them to a point where they understand, where they get baptized, and they become part of a community of believers. They're saying, this is where I want to come on Sundays and worship, and I want to live my faith out the rest of the week. I want to be on mission. I want to do these things. I want to go forward. And it's important to understand that, that it's not some type of, when we talk about disciples, I just want to make a note of this. We're talking about baptism. It's not some like little you know, ritual or something like that. We're signifying, right? The dead has gone. It is buried. We're going in the water. And the new life has come. That's why we go through that. So we don't want to just, I just want you to think that you know, we make a disciple and then we just dunk them, right? right? That's, not, that's not part of it. We want to explain those things and why we do that. And what are we showing, right? It's outward demonstration of Christ changing us. And working on us. So if you haven't been baptized, you might want to mark that on your, your connection card. I'm not sure when the next date is. I would say it if I knew it, but um, I know we've got one planned at some point. So here we have, right? We have this element. So what, it, what is it? What does Jesus want us to do at this point? So we're going to go. We're going to evangelize. We're now missionaries. We're on the mission field. We're going to live this stuff out. We're going to make disciples, you know, teach the gospel. Uh, and I know I'm covering a lot. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can, uh, because his authority is with you. Um, and part of this, and they even say statistically, in our society, it takes five or six years before you'll have any type of, of building a relationship with any person, whether you work with or neighbor, before you even have any type of spiritual conversation, before they ever get to a point to go, what's different about you? And even then, it's, it's a 40,000-foot view, right, of spirituality, unless that person is just desiring. Unless God is at work. So there takes relationship. It takes us being patient. It takes us demonstrating, allowing that the joy of our salvation to exude from us. So people take note. What is it about you? Everybody else is grumpy. What's wrong with you? Why are you happy? Right? It's kind of happened in my life. Why are you happy? Well, it's just Jesus. What? Let me check that out. Right? And so that's part of, of what he's challenging us to. But you realize that from here, we can't just leave them as, okay, so a person gets saved. I believe. I come to church. We dunk them. Right? And now what do we do with them? Well, he tells us. This is the next point. It says, teach them, right, to observe all that I have commanded. 
verse 20. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded. So what is it that Jesus, all that Jesus has commanded? In short, all right, this is one of those answers in, in if you ever went to Sunday school or, or life group, Jesus' answer, right? It's the Bible, right? Jesus, and he's speaking these words. He's talking about the Old Testament, right? And the New Testament was formed and canonized. It all became one, the Bible. Jesus is saying, I want you to teach, right? Guess what? You and I are on a journey. We're on a lifelong journey of learning. I had a friend one time who was teaching a Bible, Bible study class at a church in Oklahoma. And he said, I'm running out of material. I don't know what to teach. I need to take a break. I remember looking at the Bible going, it's pretty thick. It sure covered everything, right? The guy just didn't want to teach anymore is what he was saying. But he was like, I'm running out of material. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think you got there yet, right? Just cover Revelation for a while. Chew on that. It should take you like three years, four years. It should be good, right? You're a lifelong journey. This is part of your journey. Allowing to, to God to speak to you, right, to trust his authority, to realize that, that he desires for us to open that Bible and to read it, to be challenged by it. Is he, is he asking for perfection? No, because he began this good work, right? Philippians 1.6, he who began the good work, he's working on it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He is shaping you. He's walking with you. He's taking you in situations and environments where only you can go. Your uniqueness, your, your personality, your character, your, how you relate, Man, you're not an accident. You're not a fluke. And a lot of times we'll listen to the enemy and say, this is too hard. I don't have all the answers. I can't do it. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to not try. It's like being on a football game and you're just like, the coach is going, come on, I get in there. You're like, nope, no. You're like the one kid who's like, can I just sit on the bench? Right? No, we wouldn't do that. Put me in. Put me in the game. Right? And that's what he's saying. Trey, trust. I'm with you. So what he tells us to go to all this and teach all that I have commanded. So what are some of the things that we, just some elements. You can think of a list, right, the whole Bible. I think we should teach that we should have a high view of Scripture. That should be on the priority up there. And we say, hey, if we want you to study the Bible and Jesus thinks it's important that you observe these things, well, we should have a high view of the Bible. It should be on the top of that list. We should talk about who God is, his sovereignty. You know what? He created you. You're not an accident. Those are elements we want to communicate. Right? You're not some fluke. You're not some throwaway, man. God has value in you. He has value so much in you that he sent his son to die upon a cross for you. And if you're the only one this, on this earth, he'd have died for you. Now, again, you would have had to kill him. That's kind of weird, but still, right? He would have sent his son. He loves us. We know, that's how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life. So this is what we tell, tell people who God is. We should teach on this. We should teach that man is, is lost, right? There is an element where, man, you, this is the uniqueness we all have in common. We're all sinners, we're separated from God unless we know Christ. He is the one who has come. He is the one who paid this price. This is why we can rest in that, because it's what he did. So we need to have elements of that, right? These are things that we should teach, and these are some of our core doctrines as a church. And we should talk about assurance. We realize that, man, how can I rest my head at night? Well, I know my salvation is sure. I know whom I believed. I know what Jesus has done. I have this confidence. These are things that we want to resonate in us. And then we, and the list can go on and on and all, right? Because it's the Word of God. And the one thing that has to hit home, and for Matthew, it's so important, which is the last point here, is that Jesus is with us. He's always with you. Right? Because this seems like a challenge. And this morning, I'm like, I'm coming in. It was a good morning now. I'm, I'm told I'm on mission, and I've got to take this gospel, right? You're, you're right. We're all in this. We all feel the way to this. And it's important for Jesus for you to, to, to communicate to each of us that I am with you, right? He's not just saying, hey, go, you're on your own, kicking us to the wolves. Good luck with that. He doesn't. Look at the price he paid. You know he's committed. 
You think he's checking out on you? Absolutely not. Matthew picks up on this. He begins his gospel in chapter 1. I think it's verse 20-ish somewhere where he's talking about the birth of Jesus. He's called what? Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. He begins his gospel with this. And I think chapter 18, verse 20, somewhere there, when Jesus says, hey, when two or three are gathered, guess what? I'm with you. Then he ends his gospel saying, guess what? I'm with you. Even to the end of the age, I will be with you. I'm not going anywhere. So that's the confidence. His authority is with you. Where you go and where you take him, he is with you. He's, you're not an accident, right? He's putting us all in mission. He's saying, this is the great commission. This is what I'm calling you to. And he'll never leave you. You know, going back to my story, this is why I talk about authority. I told God, you have authority. Your words speak to me. That moment in that PW pipe plant, when I was about ready to lose it, I'm going to take this guy out. I'm ashamed of that. I look, took it out now because it's so not me. I have no idea why I was getting so angry. It was probably that swing shift. I was probably cranky. I don't know. I was getting so mad. At that moment, I had been studying, which is just how awesome God is. Because somebody posted this verse. I think it was Jess Martinez on Facebook. I had been studying Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It talks about bond servants. Laboring and working as if Christ is your boss. Doing everything unto the Lord. That was the verse I was working on, chewing on, and asking God, hey, can you burn this in me? Can you let this resonate into me? Can you just teach me and speak to me? And here I go, flash forward. I'm at this, this job site, and I am losing it. I'm not ready to go take this guy out. And the Holy Spirit speaks these 11 words. Are you working for him, or are you working for me? That's what he brought. That's what he illuminated in me at that moment. And I went from, I'm going to go crush this guy to, man, God, forgive me. That's right. That's what I've been studying. He brought scripture to light. And I have leaned upon that statement. And I can honestly say I stand before you this morning as a pastor because of that statement. There are times in ministry, right, that you deal with stuff you just don't want to deal with. I've been in hospital rooms where people have lost loved ones where I didn't have any words to say, where I would much rather be some other place. And you just got to be there, feeling inadequate, unequipped. I don't know what to say to this. I've been in counseling rooms where I want to come across the desk and take a guy out because I think he's treating his wife horribly. And you're trying to deal with that stuff. And I've dealt with people who have said, Man, I've been there, right? My job is commissioned. I got to herald this truth. I got to stand for this, regardless how I feel about it. Oh, if I don't understand it, because I'm a pastor, I own this. And there's times in ministry to be completely real and relevant with you where I have told Jesus, I have told God, with tears down my eyes, I'm done. I'm, I've had enough. I love you. You're my savior. I'm your son. I believe I'm saved. I'm done with this ministry thing. I'm going to get another job. Hanging it up. Asking him, let me go. I don't want this call. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. Right? It's those moments where you're just like, I get it. I identify with you. If you've had those moments, I identify with you. And he brings to my mind, Tyson, what are you in this for? And all those times when I wanted to lose it, right? It was about my flesh. It was about my pride. It was about my issues. And he keeps coming back and saying, Tyson, why are you in this? Are you working for that? Are you working for me? I remember one Sunday in particular. Man, I remember going, I'm done. This is it. This is the last Sunday I'm going to be a pastor. I'm walking out. And, and what, is, what does God do, right? He brings to my mind John chapter 6, where all the disciples leave Jesus. Right, that moment where he's teaching them, saying, hey, if you got to drink, if you want to fall after me, drink my blood and eat my flesh. I mean, who wants, what? That's crazy. All these Jews are like, we can't touch a dead body. I don't know what you're talking about. This, this teaching is too hard. Right? So what do they do? They leave him, but he turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, man, love Peter. 
where else would we go? You have the words to eternal life. That has resonated in me. If you would have told me that moment at PW5, I'd have been a pastor, I would have laughed at you. You're crazy. That moment is why I'm still in ministry today. Because God speaks. And I've yielded. And this commission has weight. And he's put us all on mission. But the great thing is we're not in it alone. You're not meant to walk alone. You're not meant to journey alone. This is why we assemble together. We encourage one another. And Jesus, right, he tells each of us till the end of the age, right, till I come back again, guess what? I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it. My authority is with you. Man, there's something pretty special about you for that kind of truth to resonate, right? That's what he's saying. So with this commission, you have to say, you know what? God, let it resonate in me. Let your word touch me. Talk to me. <laughs> there's times when it's great, and there's times you're just like, wow, that's tough. But you've got to remember, he's the potter, you're the clay, and he's shaping you. He's saying, yeah, that's my child. This is what I want you to do. This is why it's important we assemble together. And one of the things at SSC, and you're hearing about it this month, right? A couple of Sundays ago, you heard about Isaiah chapter 6. You know, Lord, send me. This theme is, is resonating. Last week when Jimmy talked about you know, going out of bounds and going where places where people won't go. Let's go be those people, right? Let's go do things people won't do. Here he's saying again, here's the great commission. Here's what it is. I am with you here. Are you guys going? This is what he's commissioning. And you're going to hear more about the vision of SFC because we're going to start implementing our, our community groups here next month. You're going to hear a lot about that because we believe discipleship happens in community. It happens with life where these holy moments can take place. And we want you to be a part of that. We realize you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. So guess what? We're going to, we're going to help with discipleship. We'll equip you. We'll talk about those things. This is why Sunday service is so important. We're going to start covering those things. You're going to hear about it because your leadership at SFC believes the commission, the great commission, is, is important, that these are the words Jesus is saying to each of us. And we're in this together. We are going to journey together.